I have tried quite hard to step into Doug's shoes and, and think how he thinks. And I think I got pretty close one time and I got really scared. Yeah, that's fair. And you're lucky you survived that, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> Welcome to the Two Authors Chat Show, an entertaining podcast with two best-selling authors connecting readers with an eclectic array of distinguished guests through lively conversation and interviews. Hosted by mystery, suspense, and thriller writers, Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey. Welcome to the show, everyone. How are you doing today, Mr. Harvey? I'm great. I am very good. I'm actually looking at Lake Tahoe from my office here in the bus. We're parked in my mate's driveway. I have this glorious uh, million-dollar view. Well, probably about $6 million view these days. Fancy. Wow. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, it's nice when you can get a drop anchor anywhere you want to go or whatever you do in an RV drop board. <laughs> I think drop an anchor in your RV means something different. But, the, <laughs> <Probably> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty handy. Yeah, he's got a plug here, we, we, uh, so we're plugged in. And uh, I've been coming up here for over 30 years uh, and he's uh, my my mate was the best man in our wedding he's a really good friend of ours so it feels like coming to a bit of a second home a very familiar familiar place very creative place so i'm enjoying writing from here let's dive into a listener question olivia bennett from portland asks uh, which serial mascot do you think would make the best roommate <laughs> And why? What serial mascot? Well, we've got a tiger. We've got a toucan. We've got a, I'm trying to think. We didn't have much in in uh, England when I was growing up. We only had about three cereals. It's like cornflakes. Yeah, so I guess we had a chicken. That's about all we had was a chicken. I'm going to say Tony the Tiger because he's great. And he'd eat you. I would probably actually go with Captain Crunch because he probably has a boat. So that seems like a better way to go. <laughs> How about you, sir? Is your chicken going to be your roommate? Are they the cookie people, the little elves, right? Aren't they the cookie people? But don't they do a, don't they do oh. a uh, something else? Like the elves? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that might make sense because. They- that might be useful. They could do stuff. Oi, elf, do the washing make up, Make cookies you? for you. <laughs> yeah, make some more cookies. Yeah, and that one over there, you go do the laundry. That'd be yeah. handy. Yeah. I suppose so. I mean, what would be the worst one? Being eaten by a bloody tiger, I reckon. By, by, yeah, but he's not an eaten people kind of tiger. He's a you're you're a good. He's a he's a positive motivator. He's just to yeah, tell you you're true. great all the time. You know, it's that's not like true. Yeah, the cuckoo from Cocoa Puffs. That's the one. Cuckoo from Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, had a guy so. I used to work with who, <laughs> who who used the phrase "cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs" uh, quite often, and he was a bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So, all right, who we got on the show this week? Well, look, you know what. So that's one something that I love about writing and just meeting the great people. And besides meeting you, Nick Harvey, our guest today is one of my favorite authors I've met. And that is the best-selling post-apocalyptic author, Kyla Stone. Cool. She's a great lady. Let's, uh, let's chat with her. Kyla Stone, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm really good. How are you guys? Better for seeing you. And where are you talking to us from? You're, don't you live in Michigan? Yes, St. Joe, Southwest Michigan. So I like to say on a clear, sunny day when we're at the beach, we can see the skyscrapers of Chicago across the river. All right, nice. Is it cold up there today? Not the river, lake. Lake, <laughs> lake Michigan. Lake, river. <laughs> river. River, Michigan. A little, bigger, a little bigger than that. 
You had me because I don't know the geography of that area. I know there's some big ass lakes up there, but uh, it's probably rivers too. Yeah, we're like 20 minutes from uh, Lake Michigan. Do you boat up there? Um, we have friends with boats. That's the best case scenario. So we don't have to do absolutely and upkeep and just like, hey, we're going boating and we're there. So yes, we do. We love to go boating. You have another friend with a boat now because Doug has a boat that he walks on constantly. Yes, I do. And you are welcome to come sailing with me anytime. So I will. I will take you up on that. That sounds fun. So let's talk about writing. So you, how long have you been writing? So I've been writing since I was five years old. I told my first story into a tape recorder and then my dad helped me transcribe it. That's kind of revealing how old we are, tape recorders. <laughs> Um, him, but yes, before I could actually type out stories, I would tell stories into a tape recorder and my parents still have some of those cassettes, but, um, yeah, third grade, I would write stories for my friends. I wrote my first full length, um, novel when I was 17. Um, and it became part of my high school seniors honors project for my English teacher. So I always wanted to be a writer. When did I start the the indie? The indie writing thing was December of 2016 uh, was when I published my first. I knew you post-apocalyptic. So how did you get into like into the world as we know it kind of stuff? What makes you decide to go that way? So I'd always enjoyed reading it. Cormac McCarthy's The Road is one of my favorite books. Stephen King's The Stand, obviously iconic always enjoyed lots of action and, you know, at the end of the world, the st- you know, the stakes can't get any higher, right? So I enjoyed reading it. And then when I was getting into writing, it was very much where can I be successful, but also something that I enjoy. And so post-apocalyptic for me was a natural fit, even though um, at the time I didn't really look like a lot of the writers in that genre. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was pretty male um, dominated at the time, but I was like, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm going to do it under my name as a girl and I'm going to kick ass. And that's what I did. Did you ever think of uh, doing a different name or doing it under a, a man's name? Was that ever a consideration? Um, I did think about it for about five minutes because the other women in that genre were writing under um, either initials or pen names because in some genres, you do still lose readers for being female. But for me, it was very important for me to do it under my name. And as a woman, I'm, I'm totally good with anybody who did choose to use you know, a pen name or initials, we all have our reasons for doing things. But for me, I wanted to do it as, as myself and to show, you know, whoever was out there, whatever male readers that, you know, women can write action scenes, women can write suspense, women can write thrillers, and we can do really, really well, and you're going to enjoy it. And your protagonists are mainly female, yeah, your main protagonists? Um, female and male. Well, I generally have four main POV characters to male and to female. Do you find the male difficult to write or the female difficult to write? Uh, neither. Neither. They're just, a, <laughs> well, that's how good you are. You're just good I at everything. I enjoy both. Actually, I love writing from uh, male point of views. I find it fascinating to step into other people's shoes and, and kind of try to see things from their perspective. I like to step into the bad guy's shoes too. 
maybe I enjoy that a little too much. I asked the question just because I write female protagonists. I, I mean, I, they have male characters around there. So I'm just always interested in that kind of, like, I don't know why I do it. <laughs> People ask me and I'm like, I don't know. It just happened that way. It seemed like the way to do it. So I'm always curious to hear other people's take on it. And I think writers are naturally empathetic. I think that's one of our superpowers is to be able to step into other people's shoes and think like they think and gender, you know, who cares? Like that's, that doesn't matter. We're all human, right? We all have wants and needs and desires and we all experience pain. We all desire love. You know, those are fundamental to the human experience and it doesn't matter whether you're a guy or a girl when you're talking about those kind of things. I have tried quite hard to step into Doug's shoes and, and think how he thinks. And I think I got pretty close one time and I got really scared. Yeah, that's fair. And you're lucky you survived that, to be honest with you. So, so like, okay. So speaking of surviving things, I'm curious, how many different ways have you researched in the world? So many ways. And it's, it can be a little disconcerting. I will, I will tell you that there are lots of ways, you know, how close we are to actually doing that. <laughs> yes. The volcano under Yellowstone that could erupt at any moment and cause nuclear winter across half the planet. I mean, you just start reading about some of this stuff and you're like, oh, let's hope that never happens. That's crazy. I presume a key element in the books, especially post-apocalyptic, you've got to have an element of hope in there somewhere, right? You're pushing people to the brink, but you have to have a thread of hope. Is that a key part of writing those kind of books? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, like you need to have kind of a happy ending too, which, you know, is kind of ironic or not necessarily what you would think for, for this genre, but. It's also not what Doug's currently thinking. <laughs> <you're> saying that, <laughs> just so you know. Yes. Yeah. You can put people through hell, but at the end of the day, they need to, to have a bit of hope and a bit of a glimpse of redemption for humanity. Like people need something to believe in. Um, and I think when you when you give it to them, that that's what readers really need. So, like you, uh, you have a tendency, like in your book, you've kind of mitch, missed what's the word I want to look for? Mashed up a couple of little genres because you add like a a serial killer in one. I mean, that's I think that kind of makes it a little unique to some of the other post apocalyptic out there. I think so too. I think maybe I was one of the first ones to do that because I also I love thrillers. Too, right? Like I love that kind of stuff, domestic thrillers, psychological thrillers. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to blend the two genres that I really loved. You know, you just take this thriller scenario and plop it down in a post-apocalyptic world and what's going to happen next, right? Yeah. So, so that's been really fun for me. And in my current series, I did, it's like a murder mystery and a sheriff trying to solve a murder while society is collapsing all around him. So I do. I find those things really interesting, and I and I think my readers have too because they seem they seem to like my books. I got to ask you because I'm jumping ahead of the game here. But Doug chatted to you at the uh, Twenty Books Conference I know recently about scuba diving, and you're a diver. Yes. You and your husband. Yes. Yep. And our kids now too got certified last year. Yes, it was for my 40th birthday. I wanted to be scuba certified. I've always wanted to do it, but I was nervous about deep water and had some anxiety about it. And I was like, you know what? I, I like to challenge myself and, and conquer my fears. So that was what I wanted to do. And it, it was stressful for me the first time going down like 30, 40 feet underwater. 
I almost couldn't do it. But then these two little 10-year-olds with their tanks were as big as them, just jumped into the water with no hesitation whatsoever. And I was like, oh my word, if these 10-year-olds can do it, I am going to do it. I will not let them beat me. So that's where my competitive edge came in. And I, I passed my tests and now I love it. Great. Where did you get certified? Did you do it locally there, like in quarries and stuff? Or did you go overseas? Um, no, because I like to see what's in the water with me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Before I get attacked and die, I just want to see it face to face, right? Uh, Key West. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which is beautiful. I love, love that area. Yeah. No, we, my wife and I lived in the, in Key Largo for, uh, Two and a half years. We were just back there for a month and did a dive event there and stuff. So we've done a lot of diving, mainly up in Key Largo uh, rather than down in Key West. But it's a great place. It's it's the best reefs, obviously, in uh, in the United States to reach. So so cool. Have you got travel plans based on diving now? You've got places you want to go? Yeah. I've done Costa Rica, Roatan, and we did a little bit in Spain and Belize. And this Christmas, we're doing Grand Cayman. Fantastic. Well, yeah, offline, reach out. Grand Cayman is my second home. My books are based there and I've got a lot of friends there and dive ops I know and stuff. So, Oh, yeah, perfect because we're just getting that planning going. So I will. Cool. Thank you. That's a great place. Yeah. We'll have to put together an author dive group you know, besides yours. We just kind of like all get together. And- yeah, we've been talking about that because a lot of the TA authors are, uh, are divers too. So Sullivan and I have been talking about that for a uh, for a while, I'm actually, uh, and I just did this dive event for the first time in uh, Key Largo, where readers came out, and we did a whole two days of diving and stuff, which was really cool. And uh, we're going to do it again next year in Key Largo, and then we're talking in the future about maybe doing something overseas, maybe probably in Grand Cayman because that's you know where the books are based. So it'd be fun, but we should do it an, an author one as well, an author retreat somewhere like that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I would love it. So have you decided to put any, uh, do you have any scuba diving in your post-apocalyptic worlds? I mean, is that a hard, hard to get air when there's no power, is there? <laughs> it is. Yeah it, yeah, it is hard. Yeah, I have not really found a way to really put it in yet, but I would like to, yes. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's some ideas come to mind immediately it's uh, obviously i write about diving in one of my series my aj bailey series is, is she's a dive boat operator so there's diving in in each one so i've i've come up with some creative ways of putting her underwater and things to do on underwater so uh, and like you say you're writing in uh, post apoc but essentially that's just a location that's a, that's a time frame and a and a scene in which you're writing thrillers in that world right so uh so you can involve all kinds of things like that do you have plans to write outside of of that uh, like pure thrillers or yes i would love to write a pure thriller and that's what i was planning for 2024 so yeah i'm finishing up the last book in a post-apocalyptic series right now and i think i'm going to take a bit of a break and and write a thriller or two Awesome. Nice. It's always good to challenge yourself. Get some fun. That'd be awesome. That'd be kind of great. You should put it by the water and you can become a tropical thriller like us. So Yes. Then you yeah, can fit some tempting. scuba diving in there. Yeah. Just like K-Mod does and just totally ruins scuba diving for everybody. So Yes. Yeah. I read that or I heard that part. She ruins people's vacations. Yes. So 
I was like, that's brilliant. I want to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a hoot. You got to meet her. And uh, you've got several things in common. She started writing really young and had some stuff. So what age did you decide that post-apocalyptic was like the, what you wrote when you were 17? Was that already in that genre? No, no, that wasn't. That was more um, like teenage angsty stuff, you know, 17, 17 year old girl, you got to get that teenage angst out. Right. Like in that, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours, right? Like to, in order to get to that that expert level, you have to put your hours in. So that book was practice. So it was not a, it was not a waste. No writing is ever a waste because it's it's in getting you to that level, putting the time in, putting the work in to get to that level. So a question I'd like to ask that, that stems from that. So from your first successful book to what you're putting out now, what do you feel is the evolution of you as as a writer? I mean, story structure wise, or you know, technically, we're going to get better. You would think, right? That's uh, as we do more. So, where do you feel your your evolution has come? That is a great question. I hope that I'm getting better. I try. I try to read a craft book in between every book I write, so that I'm always refreshing myself or staying up to date or there's always a new little tidbit or hack or piece of something that you haven't thought of before that you can bring to the table and include in your writing. So I guess I'm, I'm always trying to challenge myself and always trying to improve and trying to be a better storyteller uh, for my readers. For me, my first book that I wrote, I think is one of the best stories but then the technical writing aspect of it could be, I'd love to go back and, and write it all over. And I think I could improve it a lot. Right. But you, uh, it's kind of like the band that gets together in their mid twenties and they make their first album and it's mega, right? Because they've got 20 years of everything that they'd come up with in ideas for, for song lyrics and, and playing and what have you. And then 18 months later, they have to make another album. So I think there's a lot of good things going to those first novels, even if our craft isn't brilliant. And then uh, the tuning. I love the fact that you read the craft books. One of the things I get from the conferences we go to, there's always nuggets from the speakers, you know, and it might be a different genre and there might be a ton of stuff. You might sit through 45 minutes of it. It's like, ah, yeah, I kind of heard all this stuff. But there's always a nugget. I never come out of any of them and go, oh, I learned absolutely nothing. Right? Wait right. to hear mine. Exactly. When, I, when I get one, then you can you can go, man, that was pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I do think one thing is you learn to write faster and maybe be more accepting of yourself. My first novel, you know, two, three years later, you're still like revising, editing, trying to make it perfect. And of course, nothing can ever be perfect. Um, I think you, you learn to just hit publish, right? You learn perfection is the enemy of done. It's the enemy of good enough. It's even the enemy of great right? Like you just have to be like, you know, it is done. I'm sending it out to the world. I know it's never going to be perfect and that's okay. It's good enough. I think that was a big hump that I needed to get over as, as a new um, author. It can be paralyzing. Yes. Yes. And I saw that a lot when talking to some of the newer authors at 20 books is I've been working on my first novel for five years and it's not ready. And I, you know, I can't release it to the public and I'm going to take another five years of working on it. And it's like, no, no, no. Like you just have to hit publish. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to start. 
I find that's the case a lot when people I try to mentor or uh, I do some stuff locally with the same thing and, and trying to explain to people that, you know, you just got to get out there. Your first book's probably going to suck. It might not. There's a few, but we're not all Harper Lee. So we're, you know, we're not going to be spitting out to kill a mockingbird. So if you are, your first one's great, then that's, that's awesome. And you should love that, but probably you're not going to be that person. So write the first three or four that suck. And then your, you know, fifth or sixth will start being good. Six or seven be great. And then it goes from there. So. I think you have some aptitude for it. Then even book one doesn't suck. I mean, when you look at your, your, you know, your reviews on it, generally book one is the most reviews because it's book one. So more people see it and the review average tends to be a little bit lower and it stair steps up. You see it. And it's part of that is refining your audience too. Mm. Um, but, um, um, so more people that already know you and like you are, are, are reading the books, but it's not like you've got this 2.5 out of five for the book one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to start with. And then it goes up from there. So yeah, getting people persuaded to just put it out there. It's going to be all right. Is is generally the right answer. But I do think that if you looked at, I mean, if I looked at my first book, you know, not even my Chase Borden's here, but my first one, it's compared to what I write now. It's, it, it does suck. I mean, it's, you know. It, I thought it was great at the time. I was like, this is a great story. It's still a good story. It's just the how you crafted it. We've 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 learned better. We've learned how to do things correctly. And I, and I still think we learn with each, you know, every time I get an edit back and I go, oh, I, I keep doing that. I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> I did that again. That's always a good one. <laughs> yeah. Like, give it, I did it again. Are you a pantser or a plotter or somewhere in between? I am a plotter. But I'm not like super, super nitty gritty. So it'll be like a sentence or two per chapter. So I know where I'm going. I know the bones and the architecture of the story, but I can also be surprised within the chapter, right? Smaller things, because I do like, you know, things to kind of like unfold as you're writing and you get those moments of serendipity or this little aha moment. And that's, enjoyable as part of the writing process. Right. So like, I need to know where I'm going, but I still have some room for surprises and, and smaller changes and characters doing things I didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, that's great. That's kind of where I am, I think. And uh, Doug is about there. I plotted my last book completely out. Thank you very much. So, and it, it came out very well. So yeah, it gets released in a couple of weeks. When do I get my beta copy? Come on, man. Oh, well, as soon as I actually, I'm finishing the formatting today, I'll send you one, hopefully, in the day or tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to it. You want one too, Kyla? Yes. Yeah. Send it to me. Congratulations on finishing another book. I know. It's it's always nice to get that one done. You got to tell readers and, and people who don't write, you know, and I had this discussion at 20 books, gambling is not my thing. I don't care about like playing roulette, but I, f- I have a feeling that the feeling they get when they win is very similar to how we feel when we finish a book and it's like, oh, it's done. You know, it's just this kind of elation. I do kind of get off on that little high there. So, do you feel more elation or relief? And then dread because I got to write another one. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's like there's that brief moment before it's published. And then literally the next morning, like I got up at midnight, I read your book. When's the next one? Like, I'm so- right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It took me three months to write that. Yes, yeah, you're like, oh yes. my goodness. I hate editing, so I get the I get the elation when I'm I'm done. I I got to the end of the last bit in there, and it's like, no, oh, now I got to slog through all the editing stuff. I hate it. Yeah, the edits are pretty rough, but 
It's okay. I think I don't, nobody ever goes, I love editing. I've never met anybody. Some people do. I, I've actually heard people say that, uh, that uh, I really, I think Sullivan, Nick Sullivan, our friend, I, I'm pretty sure he he enjoys doing, but he puts out a book a year. So he has time yeah, for, he has yeah, time for that. You know, one book does. a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a full-time narrator. So he's uh, the, the, the writing is his second. How many books are you putting out a year, Kyla? Uh, only two a year right now. It's so funny. You say only two a year. That's a, an, a massive amount of work, right? But this business makes you feel that yes, way. Yeah. yeah, especially like at conferences, like 20 books, when you've got so many people doing like six books a year, eight books a year, 10 books a year, it can can make you feel inadequate. But yeah, two books a year. I'm a slow writer. I've learned my process. I'm never going to be a fast writer. It, it's who I am. It's how my creativity works. And, and I'm okay with that now. Are you a typist? You type it out? You don't dictate? I type. Yeah, I don't dictate. I think through my fingers. So, yeah, I have to be typing for the story to come out. I feel the same way. I, if, I, if I start uh, dictating, it it sounds terrible. And I, I spend more time editing it afterwards because there's all these, uh, uh. Yeah, and I lose my train of thought so fast. It's like, you know, like squirrel, like two seconds. And, it, and it's <laughs> over for me. <laughs> I have that problem just researching. I mean, I stop and go, I need to look up how this gun works. And the next thing you know, I'm looking at, you know boats or who knows what <laughs> property in florida six tabs yeah, that were yeah, open yeah six. i got like 22 stuff. open right now so i do i'm terrible at that but i also have to look up stuff i get do you, are you this way some people would like put placeholder or something or i'll get back to that and fill that in i get that drives me bananas i can't do it it, it like it freezes me almost, you know, like it hangs in the back of my mind and stops me moving forward. I have to fix it right there. And then at least to a point of satisfaction that I've got something in there enough that it's good enough that I might fine tune it when I come back through with my read through, but I can't move on. Uh, no, I do the placeholder because cause I'll get stuck on whatever it is that I can't get through right then. So I do, I put TK because I don't know, I heard somebody else do that. And, and that's what I've been doing. Because when you, then when you do a search, there are very few words where there's a T and a K together. So it'll just come to whatever placeholders you need. So, you know, if it, if I need to research biofuel, or sometimes it's a fight scene, and I just don't have the mental aptitude for it right then. So I'll just do, you know, TK, insert amazing fight scene here, and move on. And then when I'm fresh or I feel like writing a fight scene, then I can come back. I just completely resisted the urge to open a tab and search for words that have TK in it. <laughs> oh, pocket knife. Pocket knife does. <laughs> <laughs> so in Kyla Stone books, you'll never find a, a guy with a pocket knife. <laughs> I do actually have a character with a pocket knife now. And I'm like, why did I do that? But Yeah. <laughs> So what do you have? Uh, what do you have next on your agenda? Then what are you working on? You said you've got one more. Yeah. So yeah, the book um, I'm finishing up now is the last in a four book series that's about solar flares taking out half the planet's electric grid, the whole northern hemisphere, and that's the detective trying to solve the murder mystery in the midst of all of that. And it's set in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so uh, rugged wilderness areas. That I sent to beta readers last week, so I'm getting the beta reader feedback and doing the rivet, you know, the editing that we the all fun love. stuff we just talked about. <laughs> yes, yes, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm at, I'm in that phase. 
you feel you feel like you're done and you're like oh my baby it's done and then the readers are like no but you missed this and what about this and uh, there's a hole here and I'm like okay do you have a dog in this one? Part of the process. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's a dog, a big cinnamon brown Newfoundland dog. And he's a search and rescue, search and rescue dog. So he's a cool That's guy. Your, everybody's favorite character is the dog. So. Yes. Always. Always. They don't care about my human characters. They just are like, if you kill the dog, I will never read you again. That's so what I told Nick. We put a dog in our book that we wrote together. And I think he, he was going to try to like, you know, get rid of the dog. I was like, people are going to love the dog. The dog's going to be the favorite. Readers love dogs. All right. Get out the wheel, Doug. It's time for the uh, wheel. Ah, yes. All righty. You've seen our wheel you before? You'd be subjected you to uh, us. I did a... not. Yes, we have a little wheel of questions. So it's our final question Ooh, here. Okay. See the sound effects and everything. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Oh, night owl. 100%. I hate waking up in the morning. <laughs> that was my- I could tell. I was uh, you were showing up late every morning to the uh, conference. Like, I mean, <laughs> where yet? I got breakfast, and she's like, "I'm not yeah, even like, answer I'm for not doing hours. Yeah, that was like a major like motivation for me was for to become a full time writer was so I could set my own hours and not have to get up at zero dark thirty in the morning. Yeah, I will be up with you until two or three in the morning all day long, but I am not going to be up at six a.m. or seven. Or eight. Okay. <laughs> if I can help it. Words will write themselves at noon, right? So I will work late at night. So it's still getting the hours in. It just is on my own, on my schedule that I choose. And you, Doug? Me? Well, uh, I used to be a night owl and I'm not so much anymore. I, I shifted. You know, I worked for a long time in restaurants and bars. So I was always up late and then somehow shifted to working in a different job that had me up at five every morning. And so now I just kind of get up when my wife gets up and oh, she's six thirty seven. So my, my body's so like early. shifted over. Bless I you. Well, I'm like going to bed like at nine cause I'm old, but wait, what about you, Nick? How early do you go to bed? <laughs> Pretty early. I'm an early, I'm a bit of an early bird anyway. Uh, if I wake up, I'm, I'm an insomniac too. So if I wake up, I'm like, I'm normally awake. And, uh, and right now, we're on the West Coast and my wife has to work on Central or Eastern time. So she's Central is two hours. So we're, we've got our whole day is shifted. So we're getting up at five and then she gets off work at three. And I'm, while we're here, we're in Lake Tahoe at the moment and uh, she's actually off work this week, but we're trying to stay on that shifted time zone. So we don't, you know, get all messed up when we drive back home, goes back to work. When Nick was in Bon Air, which was like, what, two hours ahead of me, he'd get up at like, five and he'd start messaging me which was like you know six o'clock my time which i was not awake for so i'm sure he's like why isn't he answering me i'm like i'm not yeah i mean i don't even bother answering to like eight or now nine, we're in so. sync because i get up at five and, and i'll message him at 5 30 i'm still like not awake for yet. him and maybe he's just getting <laughs> up i know he's like in his pajamas or something texting me back i, I sleep naked i i didn't want to oh Okay, we'll leave everybody with the visual of Douglas Pratt naked. Kyla Stone, thank you so much for joining us on the show and do your best not to dream about that tonight. (laughs) Thank you you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Kyla. She's so cool. Isn't she awesome? I'm telling you, she's one of my favorite people out there. She's She's a great fun. We had so much fun together.
I really enjoyed hanging out with her. Yeah, I enjoyed hanging out with her at Nink, and you just had another dose. Well, you've seen her several times before. She's, she's um, uh, yeah, it's great, great spirit. So what be happening in your world, Dougie Doug? Well, I'm finishing up uh, Playa, my uh, La Playa de los Muertos, which is my first book in the Corsair series. Send me one, man. I will. I, I will read it out. Yes. It'll actually be, it'll be out today, which, or oh, the day that this, podcast goes live which would be the 28th so it'll be out so it'll be um it'll be good i'm, I'm excited about it i've really got some good feedback just the editor liked it so you know i'm gonna pay her but so hopefully other people <laughs> like it so, <laughs> i enjoyed it I mean, i'm already i'm already working on like trying to outline the next like four or five books in it so that i can get an idea yeah, of where yeah. the series set, wants to go set the arc set, set that the arc, arc up yes Got that how point. how long did it end up being? Because you were stead for, you were on target for an epic. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. It was only about eighty nine thousand words. So that's a lot. Too- that's long for our genre. It is a little bit, but well, but some action thrillers, which is probably more action thriller, even though it takes place in Puerto Vallarta, so it is in a tropical clime. It's probably going to fall more in the action thriller. So that that could be hundred thousand. We'll see how the next one comes out. Uh, it was I had a lot of story to tell for this one, so. I already got some cool ideas for the next one I'm excited about. So that's always fun. So how about you, sir? What are you up to? As we're recording this, I'm uh, sitting in the house in Lake Tahoe. I think pretty much most people know by now my house has wheels. My wife and I live uh, nomadically. And we're in Lake Tahoe at a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, He's been my best man in our wedding. He's been my best friend for ever and a day. And he has this beautiful place on the side of the mountain in Lake Tahoe. So we're parked in the driveway, plugged in. And my view out my office window, which is also our dinette in the bus, is of Lake Tahoe and the mountains on the other side. It's um, phenomenal. So really creative place to write. And I'm currently writing Lighthouse Point, the next AJ Bailey book. So it's a, it's a good place to be doing that. So I'm trying to split the day, get up early, do a bit of writing, and then go hang out with my mate and uh, do some stuff. So, yeah, really enjoyable time. That's great. Well, hey, let's, you know, Next week, or in two weeks, we'll be having um, another thriller author on here. It's Miss Audrey Cole. She writes some great, great thrillers. I just read her Pilot's Daughter. Phenomenal. Isn't that great? It was so yeah. Good. yeah. And finally, we're having on her. There's been a lot of uh, schedule back and forth, but we've been really looking forward to having uh, Audrey on the show. So that's great. And then uh, please remember to subscribe to the show, if you wouldn't mind. Give us a, give us a review. A five-star would be loved by all. Well, it'd be loved by us. I don't buy all, but loved by us. Well, everybody would love to see that we have five stars, I think. so. I think so. My mom would. Please, my mom. <laughs> Please do something make- nice for my mom and give us a five-star review. Make sure you check out the show notes for links. Uh, we probably put links in there for Kyla's books and stuff as well. But anything else we talked about, you know, information about our uh, guests. And look for us in two weeks. Until then, be cool to each other. Fair winds and following seas. You've been listening to the Two Authors Chat Show with Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt.